0: The New Testament begins with four portraits of Jesus Christ. Like four journalists reporting on the same story but from a different angle, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John present Jesus as the Christ to different audiences – Jews, Romans, Greeks and the church, respectively. Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews. Mark presents Jesus as Jehovah's servant. Luke portrays Jesus as the perfect God-man with an emphasis on his humanity. John gives us many reasons to believe the Word was God. Though attacked vigorously by skeptics of the Christian faith, the Gospels have stood the test of time. They are the historically reliable sources of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. What is your response? to the Gospels. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Looking for compelling evidence that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Messiah? If so, you've come to the right place. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for tuning in. Today we come to road trip number six in Ron's teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. It begins with the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, an account that offers convincing proof that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Visit SomethingGoodRadio.org to listen to any of our broadcasts on demand on your schedule. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. Now let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message. Matthew, who is your king?
0: Arnold uh, Rothstein was an American racketeer, a crime boss, a businessman and a gambler who became a kingpin of the Jewish mob in New York City. You might not have ever heard of his name, but um, you have now, and perhaps you won't forget. Some say that he also conspired to fix the 1919 World Series, and they point to some evidence of the uh, corruption he allegedly organized in professional sports. Not surprisingly, Rothstein famously said, and maybe you've heard this, look out for number one. If you don't, nobody else will. And that's a common phrase that uh, people use who think primarily of themselves. Well, so-called kingpins like Rothstein will eventually bow to the King of Kings, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that time, they will be forced to stop thinking primarily of themselves. Uh, Just a little introduction to the gospel according to Matthew. And um, we come to Matthew's gospel, uh, remembering that Matthew, who was a first century Jewish tax collector, wrote a gospel to the Jews for the purpose of presenting Jesus, a rabbi from Nazareth, as the king of the Jews, And Matthew offers convincing evidence that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, possessing the proper lineage and all the rights to sit on King David's throne, plus the right to sit on the throne of your heart and my heart. Uh, the, the, The question, who is your king, is a fitting question to ask as we work our way through The gospel according to Matthew. Now, the best scholarship says that Matthew penned his gospel after Mark and somewhere in the middle of the first century, in the 50s or the 60s AD. Why do I point that out? Because the nearer a writing is to the actual events, the more credible it is, you know, as ancient historians look at it. Those people who uh, criticize the gospels and Matthew's gospel and others, they always want to push the date much later. And uh, I always just find it interesting that people who live thousands of years after the actual events would question the first-hand eyewitness accounts which uh, the Gospels are. That said, to satisfy his Jewish audience, Matthew uses a fulfillment formula to link Jesus to the many Old Testament Messianic prophecies. Thirteen times he says that something took place In Jesus' life and ministry that, quote, fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet. That's important to remember. All these times where Matthew uh, pulls in the Old Testament prophecies because he's writing to the Jews who were well acquainted with the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, Oddly to modern readers, Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogical record, and this takes us into a section of uh, Matthew I call the King's Birth and Appearance. He traces the royal lineage of Jesus and links him to two great covenants made by Abraham and David, which, again, Matthew's Jewish audience would have expected of anyone making a messianic claim. They had to have the royal lineage. They had to be connected to uh, the covenants of Abraham and David. Matthew organizes the genealogy into three groups of 14, Abraham to David, David to the Babylonian deportation. And the Babylonian deportation to the Christ. Uh, Matthew also includes the names of five women, which in and of itself is, a, is an eyebrow raiser, especially if you're uh, a Jewish person in the first century. Those women were Tamar, Rahab, Ruth. Uh, he refers to the wife of Uriah. We know that was Bathsheba. but. He calls her the wife of Uriah, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Each of these women with a story that was culturally scandalous. For example, two of the women were, were outsiders, outside the covenant community of God. They were foreigners that God used to advance his messianic purposes. Typically, Jewish genealogies did not contain the names of women in the first century. Now, Joseph, who was uh, Jesus' earthly father, learns about the supernatural nature of Mary's pregnancy from an angel of the Lord who appeared to him in one of many dreams, saying in chapter 1 and verse 20, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And Matthew immediately links that statement to Isaiah's prophecy. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Matthew tells us, according to Micah's prophecy. And if you think about it, since Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we've been marking our calendars by the birth of the King of Kings ever since then. Uh, just, Just a small indication of how transformative Uh, The person and life and ministry of Jesus Christ was and is. Now, chapter two begins with the Magi's visit, which is unique to Matthew's birth narrative. Uh, Matthew and Luke are the two gospel writers that include the birth narratives. That's where we get the Christmas stories. After bringing their gifts to the to the child, the wise men depart to their own country by another way, warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the despot, who ordered the killing of all male children below the age of two. Herod was a despicable character and threatened by the news of a a child that was was born king of the Jews. Being warned in another dream, Joseph escapes Herod's holocaust, returning to Nazareth's safety with Mary and Jesus after Herod's death. Decades later, now we're fast-forwarding in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Jesus appears as an adult ready to fulfill his messianic calling. And of course, there's there's much speculation and debate about uh, the boyhood years of Jesus from uh, his birth all the way up to the age of 30 when he appears. Um, Luke gives us a little insight into that, and and we'll get there in time. Uh, But Matthew goes direct to his appearance. His ministry begins after Matthew records uh, John the Baptist's preparation in chapter 3, Jesus' baptism, the temptation in the wilderness, and the calling of Jesus' disciples. And then we come to chapter 5, and a section from chapter 5 all the way to chapter 15. I I just refer to it as the king's teaching and his miracles. Both John the Baptist and Jesus announce, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand something you might expect a king to say he's announcing the arrival of his kingdom in chapters 5 through 7 Jesus sets forth the laws and the standards of his kingdom in a major discourse known as the sermon on the mount chapters 5 6 and 7 what a what a fabulous section of scripture Uh, fairly unique to Matthew, although aspects of the Sermon on the Mount uh, find itself in other gospel accounts as well. The Sermon on the Mount is delivered uh, with the authority of a king, and it's delivered on a beautiful hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. We'll be there in just a few months um, as we go to Israel. During this time, many of the Jews believed they must abandon their orthodoxy to follow Jesus. But Jesus made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount that he came to uh, fulfill the Mosaic law, not to abolish it. In fact, he raises the bar on righteousness by revisiting the commandments in chapter five. He uses a familiar formula. For example, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus goes on to tell his disciples that their righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees.
1: Don't go away, we'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Matthew, who is your king? New to our program? If so, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage and check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these Internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or call us at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Why did Jesus speak in parables? For the answer to that question, along with much more from the Gospel of Matthew, here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Matthew, who is your king?
0: He also reflects upon three pillars of Jewish piety in the kingdom of heaven. I'm talking about giving, praying, and fasting. Uh, He does this at the beginning of chapter six. He teaches his followers also a model prayer which begins with the words, our Father. You understand just how uh, innovative that was, how how new that was. The concept of the fatherhood of God uh, was new to the Jews. Uh, There's much more to Jesus' kingdom teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, including what he said about practical matters relating to money and the things we worry about and, uh, and so forth. Next, Matthew puts the kingdom's power, his authority, and his compassion on full display by recording 12 miracles that Jesus performed, including the cleansing of a leper. Uh, healing Peter's mother-in-law and healing two blind men. Signs and wonders accompanied Jesus' ministry as proof that he is the Messiah. Uh, A good time for us to pause and to remember that signs and wonders and miracles in the Bible are not on every page or in every era, but they were used strategically by God in the Old Testament and then even here in the New Testament as signs, as introductory signs to prove that Jesus Christ was in fact the Messiah. In response to Jesus' growing popularity, the Pharisees accuse him of blasphemy in chapter 9. Didn't take him very long to get there. And this was just the beginning of the conflict that arises between Jesus and the religious leaders. In chapter 10, he delivers a discourse on discipleship, giving the 12 authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. He sends his disciples to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Again, you would expect this coming from Matthew, who's writing to a Jewish audience. The offer of the kingdom came first to the house of Israel and later to the Gentiles. He sends his disciples there to the house sheep, or lost sheep of the house of Israel. He prepares them for persecution. He tells them not to fear. He establishes the expectations of discipleship. He introduces the concept of kingdom rewards for those who serve him faithfully. There are positive and negative responses to Jesus' ministry in chapters 11 through 15. uh, He delivers another major discourse on the kingdom of heaven in chapter 13 and speaks in parables to conceal the truth, he says, from those who have already rejected it. And this section in Matthew's gospel ends with the death of John the Baptist With Jesus uh, feeding thousands of people miraculously. First he feeds 5,000. Then later a a group of 4,000 people. And he walks on the water. And there are other miracles in this section. And then we begin in chapter 16. All the way through chapter 23. A section that I just kind of labeled the king's opposition. As the opposition to Jesus' ministry by the religious leaders grow. And um, a very specific and prophetic offer of the kingdom. It begins with the Pharisees and Sadducees arriving to test Jesus by demanding a sign from heaven. And Jesus kind of gives them a sarcastic response about you know, forecasting the weather. And, and then he says the generation that seeks for a sign is evil and adulterous. A little, little poke in the chest uh, to the Pharisees and scribes. He says no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus links his future resurrection to, of all things, the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth before he rises from the dead. And then Jesus departs with his disciples, and he comes to the district of Caesarea Philippi, another one of those locations we visit when we're in Israel, where he asks them the most important question anyone can answer. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do you say he is? I mean, right now, who do you say Jesus is? A good man? A religious leader? You know, you really don't have that option. Uh, He's either a crazy man, a, a con man, or he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world, just as he claimed to be. Well, Peter quickly replies, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter gets an A in theology this day. Other times he opened his mouth and stuck his, both of his feet in, but, but today he gets it right. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the one we have been waiting for, the son of the living God. Jesus affirms Peter's confession And then he reveals something for the very first time in Holy Scripture. The church, the ecclesia, that he will build his church on the foundation of Peter's rock-solid response. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus didn't say, I will build your church. He didn't say, you will build my church. No, he says, I will build my church. He can do it with or without us. And he's been doing it for 2000 years with or without his people, just as he's been fulfilling the old Testament messianic prophecies. And God has been advancing his redemption story with or without the cooperation of his people. Throughout this part of the gospel, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection twice. He predicted his own death and resurrection, disturbing the disciples. They're scratching their heads, uh, trying to factor this into their understanding of Messiah. He also performs more miracles, teaches more parables, (laughs) and gently rebukes the mother of two disciples for expecting her sons to receive preferential treatment in the kingdom of God. I always smile when I read that that story about uh, the mother of James and John. Can 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 my kids sit at your right hand and at your left hand? And Jesus gently rebukes her. At the beginning of the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, now we're getting closer to the crucifixion and that whole story. King Jesus rides into the holy city on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, presenting himself as Israel's Messiah. This is Palm Sunday, uh, the final week of Jesus' life. Matthew begins uh, this part of his life and ministry and story in chapter 21. The euphoric crowds shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. Save us now. And those shouts would soon turn to crucify him. Crucify him. Was it the same crowd? We don't really know. But whatever the case, uh, it, it was very quick. Less than a week Uh, That Jesus was executed on a Roman cross between two thieves between his triumphal entry into Jerusalem And his crucifixion Jesus experienced more confrontation with the religious leaders Including the time he cleansed the temple. I would have loved to have been there on that day He's got a whip in his hand. He's overturning the tables of the money changers. That's the Jesus I like Uh, The one frolicking in the fields with the lambs. Okay, I I get all of that. If you study the gospel accounts carefully, it it appears that he cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry and a second time uh, at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, Matthew concludes this section by recording seven woes, uh, words of warning that Jesus delivered to the Pharisees. Uh, calling them uh, whitewashed tombs and uh, phrases like that. Uh, Not exactly the way to win friends and influence people among the religious leaders of that day. And then we come to this fabulous section of Scripture In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, in one sense, uh, the the totality of it is unique to Matthew, that there are other aspects of uh, the signs and prophecies that Jesus made that you'll find in other Gospels, but early in the final week of Jesus' life, uh, let's just say somewhere Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, he gathered on the Mount of Olives with four of his disciples. Luke tells us it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the three insiders plus Peter's brother. And they had questions about the end of the age. And uh, Jesus answers their questions. Matthew records another major discourse. We call it the Olivet Discourse. I love to go to Jerusalem, and we go to the Mount of Olives, and we talk about end times. Because I would have loved to have been here for this conversation, just to be a little locust on an olive tree or something, just l- leaning in and listening to this conversation between Jesus and his disciples just days before his crucifixion. He predicts the following general signs will appear like birth pangs at the end of the age, false Christs, natural disasters, wars, persecution, pestilence. (laughs) We call them viruses today. Uh, Apostasy, lawlessness, and the worldwide preaching of the gospel. Have we seen these general signs all you know throughout the last 2,000 years? Yes, but Jesus says, as it gets closer to the end of the age, they'll be like the birth pangs of a mother, increasing with intensity and frequency as we get closer and closer to the end.
1: We're not told when Jesus will return, but we are told what to do in the meantime. To be faithful with what He has called us to do, including sharing the gospel with as many people as we can. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Matthew, who is your king? Along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at SomethingGoodRadio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciples' First Steps. It's a return to the fundamentals of the Christian faith, one that will help you make disciples of Jesus Christ, who will go and make more disciples. To find Starting Point, A Disciples' First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org something good comes your way only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you as you make your gift today we'll say thank you with an ebook that goes along with the series you're hearing now route 66 the ultimate road trip through the bible this special resource covers the four gospels matthew mark luke and john along with the book of acts request your digital download today when you make a gift to something good radio Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 or call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: Going back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus resolved to do His Father's will and He shows remarkable restraint Throughout the betrayal, the arrest, the trial, and even his crucifixion, at any moment, he could have called the angels of heaven to stop it. But he didn't. It looks like he got on the wrong side of religious politics, but actually this was part of the eternal plan of God all the way back to the beginning.
1: That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Matthew, Who Is Your King? Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.